you walk up on stage and you begin singing and I remember thinking, oh my goodness, my mom was right. I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. So excited to be back with you. My name is Aaron Davis. We had to take off last week in lieu of the holiday, Independence Day. So happy 4th of July, everyone. Hopefully you got to spend a great time with your family, blowing stuff up in the name of freedom. I'm excited because this week we're going to start a mini series on cultivating truth called Cultivating the Family. And over the next two weeks, I'm going to sit down with my wife and we're going to have an open discussion about how we came to the faith and how the arts impacted our overall testimony and journey, which eventually would lead to each other. And so my wife's name is Sarah, and this can be our first time on the show. And we've been married for nearly 10 years now, and she is my biggest supporter, and I'm so thankful for everything that she does. And I would say that she's the backbone of everything that we do here at Alethea Legacy. So in this episode, Sarah and I are both going to give our experiences and how the arts have impacted our overall journey, and which led to ultimately our family all right we are here together on the couch babe just me <laughs> and you okay when we came up with the idea of doing cultivating truth uh a while back ago i mean uh, essentially a year ago i think is when we came up well really when we started alathea yeah we knew that we wanted to do a podcast mm -hmm. and eventually that came out to be cultivating truth uh, trying to be a resource to schools families anyone who's interested in christianity and the arts and yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. And so one of the things that I know that we always wanted to discuss was kind of just what does it look like on the real practical side? Because sometimes when you talk about art, culture, media, it just sounds so abstract and it sounds so out there. Yeah. I mean, we we had some struggles uh, with our friendships and families, not really understanding what, what are we doing. This sounds just so far out there. And for us, it's not really that far-fetched. And for us to run an arts and media organization, uh, I know that I can trace it all the way back to really the beginning stages of my faith. And so what I want us to do today is really just get to talk about our story. Where did it all begin for us? I know for, for us, we both were young, much younger than our 30-year-old selves now. Yeah. So if you could go ahead and tell us your story. How did this all begin for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I would definitely agree with you. I think that um, getting into this field, some people are like, what are you doing? Like, this seems so crazy, but I definitely see how the Lord's hand has been um, orchestrating all of this from the very beginning. So I'm super excited to finally have this podcast going and to be able to provide some resources for even just families, even stay-at-home moms. You know, what does this look like? So I would say for me, arts has always been kind of a part of my life. It's been a passion. Um, my grandfather had his own church. And so from a very young age, I was accustomed to being on stage and singing and enjoying piano lessons and just worshiping the Lord at a very young age. For me personally, um, music has always been a big part of my story and um, my passion for a very long time. Yeah, it's awesome. So if people do not know who are watching us, we met uh, in Bible college. Yeah. And so I'll get to that part of the story whenever I go through my, my version, but I know that the very first time I ever saw you, you were on stage, you were singing and ironically, uh, Easter egg fun tidbit for anyone who is watching, uh, you were singing with a band named Alethea. Yeah. And that was actually the first time I ever heard the word Alethea. Mm -hmm. And eventually found out that that meant the word truth and loved that word. We've always loved that word and it, it's yeah. deep rooted to the very first time that we even met. So that's yeah, cool. I'm honestly surprised that we don't have a kid named Alethea, oh, but I gosh. guess our business, you know, that counts as maybe, maybe our kid or well, <laughs> our offspring. <laughs> well, we know a few kids named Alethea, right? And that's, right. that's always the thing is how do you say it? Alethea? Alethea. Right? Alethea. <laughs> Alethea. Yeah. So growing up and, you know, we, I had humble beginnings and uh very blue collar and, you know, you, 
I just knew that I always needed to work hard, no matter what it was that I did. And um, took everything as a gift. If if I ever received something, I was definitely far from uh, what I would say is, is spoiled. I appreciated all my toys. And I remember uh, being bounced around a lot. One of the things that I would do from the very earliest ages, I would always color and I would always draw. Uh, I think I was, what, fourth and fifth grade and being yearbook cover, uh, just because visual arts was always my thing, but it was specifically with drawing. Get into middle school, get a little bit more into painting, into charcoal, love charcoal. Charcoal work is kind of like my, my, it's still to this day my favorite piece of artwork to do, except it's so messy, so I don't have it around the kids at all. Uh, but then it was in high school and I started getting a little bit bored with visual art because I'm in all the like 400 level classes and, you know, uh, and I, I love my teachers, um, but the students, I could not stand the other <laughs> students that I was with. The arts kids. <laughs> and we graduated in 2010. So yeah. prime 2000s and we were are in prime pop punk emo era. So a lot of my classmates had the, the the dark hair, the AFI, My Chemical Romance, you know, swoop. And I was always such a social butterfly. I always mm-hmm. loved to talk to people and hang out. And so I would draw. And part of my ADHD, I'm talking to people as I'm drawing. I would say, hey, what are you doing over there? And I'd get a, you know, somebody would hiss at me <laughs> and not want any part of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the arts kids are historically known for being um, the outcasts or the strange kids. So I definitely have a similar experience being in all the choirs and having all sorts of characters in there. So I understand that. Right. So I believe it was my junior year and I was predominantly in visual art classes And then I take arts and humanities class and uh, shout out to Mr. Smith. He was a phenomenal teacher and really uh, got me interested in art history and the movements of culture and the world through the arts. And I remember it right there. I mean, Tennessee Williams, he introduced to me, uh, uh, amazing playwright, Cat on Hot Tin Roof, Streetcar Named Desire, and just how um, how moving uh, this form of... um, writing literature would be, um, but it was for plays. And it was, I always liked the ideas of being in a play and I like acting and acting out. Um, but I, I didn't never really took, took a hold of it. And he was also the theater teacher and he recruited me and he just said, you know, why don't you try doing this? And sidebar, I, I we not talk about this, but I had a real life high school musical moment because I was a football player. <laughs> I loved sports. Um, I was actually bullied in middle school. And so that was my first, like, I was so intentional on getting involved in sports and not letting people mess with me and football out of all sports, because I was what, like a buck 25 entering, (laughs) entering high school. I think my prime high school career, I was 140. So I was very, very small and frail, but, uh, I would have thought that was so lame. I can't be doing plays and theater. Um, but I really thought that Mr. Smith was a cool teacher and I loved the way he thought and I loved the way that he, we saw artwork and how it could affect us. And so that's how I got involved and I did our first, uh, our first production. My first play was about a a grocery store called paper or plastic. And eventually father of the bride, meet me in St. Louis. We did some, um, some musicals of Greece and whatnot. So that's how I got involved into theater. And that eventually created a love for acting. And when it was, I was a senior in high school, I wanted to go off to California and become an actor and just make it big. And my fear though, was that I would become a druggie and I wasn't going to do well. So this is pre-college. We meet in college. So I'm yeah. telling you where I'm at. Where are you as I'm thinking of going off to California? Yeah. So it's funny that you mentioned that um, art history was kind of a passion of yours because I was the complete opposite. So um, in elementary school, I think, I, I don't know if maybe it was just my first memories or I completely blocked it out, but I could not stand music class for a long time because we would go over famous composers like Beethoven and Mozart. And 
at a young age in second grade, I thought that that was the most boring thing I could ever hear. And so I think I completely zoned out in that class until one day my teacher said, okay, guys, it's time to present your songs that you've been planning for. And I completely froze. Like, I have not been paying attention at all. I don't know what we're doing. And how old are you here? I think I was in second grade. And oh, man. I kind of, yeah, and I froze like, oh my goodness, I haven't been paying attention at all. Um, but I was pretty excited because I love to sing in the car and um, knew a lot of songs by memory. So, of course, I get up in front of class, no music, completely acapella because I was not prepared at all. And so I sing Lucky by Britney Spears. Of course. Oh, yeah. Course, Second you know? grade, too. That was Second prime grade. Britney yeah, Spears. Yeah, I know all the words by heart and I'm very passionate about it. Um, and so for me, that's kind of when music, um, kind of came to life for me. I know, you know, Britney Spears lucky is not like a super, super deep song, but, um, in that moment, my music teacher like affirmed, um, my gifting and singing and actually had me perform for the big fourth graders and fifth graders. And so um, even though I was completely unprepared for that class and not paying attention to music history, um, once I started performing, there was a big excitement to it and um, my giftings were kind of confirmed. So that was really exciting for me as a second grader. So I think from then on out, I was just very excited about music and then I wanted to start learning more yeah. um, as I started performing and really enjoying singing, whether it be in the car, in the shower with my friends, annoying my parents. Um, it was just something that I was always a part of. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, I, as I went to college and was involved in groups there and performing um, and worshiping the Lord with others. So when I met you, I had no idea that you were so gifted in the arts. Um, I think maybe during that time, that was maybe something that you were hiding or keeping to yourself or trying to be someone else. I'm not exactly sure, but it's just not something that I saw um, in you. And so um, it was interesting. I, I don't think I really realized that that was something you loved until after we got married, really. Yeah. Um, I know we enjoyed listening to music together um, and just jamming out in songs. Yeah. You knew I had the fun in facts. The car. And the, 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 yeah. The, the trivia down. Absolutely. <laughs> loved the history of music, especially 80s. But um, as far as the actual giftings and passion um, for arts, I don't think I recognized until after we were married. Honestly, I would say when I met you, I don't think I considered myself uh, an art person anymore. Um, I wanted to be mature. I wanted to be grown. I, we were at seminary and, you know, and I was serious about uh, the theology and the philosophical side of things. So growing up, my mom had three jobs doing whatever she could in order to provide for us. And my grandmother was a big part of my life, and she would make sure that I was always at church on Sundays. But although I would go to VBS, um, I got baptized whenever I was eight, I really didn't get involved deep into the church and would have never thought like what we do now, where we devoted our life to uh, I mean, we would say our family's mission is to glorify the Lord in all that we do. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until I was, um, well, about sophomore, junior year, the same time that I got introduced into art history, and I really liked the thinking of art. Yeah. Where our youth minister, Jamie, um, and we love Jamie, Jamie and Joanne are still part of our life, and we're very thankful for them. But I really didn't consider Jamie my youth minister up until he started this thing uh, called Creative Ministries. And I actually forgot all about that up until recently. But that's when I first started going into the youth group. Uh, I didn't go on just like a Wednesday night or a Sunday night just for the heck of it or someone invited me. Um, I got told uh, what we did was we, I watched a youth Sunday and it was... It was, it was small. There was like a few skits and I remember sitting there thinking, and I'm just gonna give my opinion. I remember thinking, ah, this is lame, but this has such great potential. <laughs> I love what we're wanting to do, yeah. but we need to like up the ante. 
And so I, I said this to Jamie and Jamie says, why don't you get involved? We're going to do one again here soon. Uh, it, it was a hit. I was like, all right, sure. And it was there that I start writing out skits. I start writing up my own, uh, my, my own productions essentially. And I think I, uh, I, alongside Jamie, we let up like three different, um, youth Sundays where we would come up with skits we think through songs, human videos, where we would do movements. And it was a whole production. I mean, eventually we got the lights, everything. And so you can see how, like, I really enjoyed that stuff. And I really loved being able to use the arts to advance the gospel. Um, but I wouldn't have labeled that then. I wouldn't have said that. I would have just said, no, we're just doing teenage stuff. Right. And so I think that that's whenever I came into seminary because I went to Bible college because I did have a calling on my life. The Lord got a hold of me. And I knew that if I were just to go out to California, I was not ready. I was not mature enough. And it wouldn't have gone well. But whenever I was in Bible college over at Boyce, and we loved our time. We absolutely loved our time at Boyce. Um, we, yes. we know that maybe seminary is not for everybody, but for mm -hmm. us, it was a phenomenal time. We'll never forget those moments. And and so I think for me, I was thinking that I was trying to grow up and I considered these things, creating music, creating stories, uh, visual art as like child's play. Yeah. Childish dreams that will never amount to something. Yeah. That was another thing is I think that I associated with the arts with my pride and my ego. And so just kind of dropping that, forsaking that as I go into college and um, come in wanting to be as humble as I possibly can, learn. But I'm not thinking really about pastoring. I really just want to learn and grow in my faith. So even whenever I'm sitting there at JCTC, my first year of college, and I'm trying to debate whether or not we're going out to California or I go to seminary, and she gives me this plan and says, well, in five years, you could go to seminary. I'm thinking, I can't wait that long. I, the Lord's trying to work in me right now. And I don't think that that was wrong. I think that the Lord was working in me. And I would argue that I needed to learn everything that I needed. I needed those apologetics classes. I needed to learn about philosophy. I needed to be grounded in theology, and I needed to have biblical community, which is what, uh, which is what we found. And then obviously, I found you there as well, and that changed everything. Yeah. So um, it's interesting to me that you say that you were kind of leaving your creativity behind as you were pursuing. Um, your dreams of being in pastoral ministry and pursuing Southern Seminary. Um, I kind of had the opposite approach. So um, I went into Boyce College to pursue worship ministry. Um, and so that was something I was extremely passionate about. And I loved my time in the worship ministry um, as I was at Boyce. I think I was in that program for about a year and a half. But as I was in that program, I don't know that it was actually, there wasn't anything wrong with the program, but more of the Lord's calling on my heart or what I felt to be in the moment. Um, I felt that there was a lack of um, potential growth within the church as a whole for females specifically within the worship ministry realm or the creative realm within the church. Um, it, it appeared that it was either, um, become a worship pastor or maybe a worship secretary, or there's not really many other places for you to grow. And maybe I just didn't know about those opportunities, but in the moment, that's kind of where I felt. You just felt like you were out of place. It wasn't yeah. really meant for you. I decided to shift gears and switched my major to biblical counseling because I felt like that would be a more practical approach to ministry at the time. And so because of, I think, maybe lack of the church embracing creatives or, or even just not knowing how to utilize creatives within the church, um, you know, I kind of had to change gears and shift my approach. And I really do think that's probably the Lord's working in my life. And I think I've um, definitely cherished, um, being in biblical counseling and be able to utilize those skills that I've learned. Um, but I still don't think that takes away from, you know, maybe there's other people that feel that way that are gifted in those areas and just don't know what to do with their giftings within the church. Yeah. 
within many Christian circles, you find that the only thing that's artistic would be worship. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's different schools of thoughts, right? Like either we're going classic hymns or we're going contemporary and we got the ripped jeans and the hoodies and <laughs> the LED lights. And I guess that's somewhat artistic, um, but really the thought process behind it. So when um, uh, going off to Boyce, I remember it was other teachers who were similar to Mr. Smith for me. And that was people like Brian Bass, Travis Kearns, who taught in philosophies, worldview, apologetics, Dan DeWitt, um, uh, James Reisner. And these were uh, amazing men who I think I loved the most about them was that they were grounded in theology, but they thought a little bit more abstract. They thought about the worldviews. They understood worldviews. They were, they were very fair. Um, you know, sometimes Southern would get a reputation on not being fair to others' opinions and worldviews. And I had great experiences with these teachers and opening up the doors to allowing me to, to think about other worldviews and faiths. And I remember Brian Bass had, uh, I believe it was his, one of his first classes. I don't think he was a, I think he was just a PhD candidate at that time. Um, and so he came in and filled in for some teacher. I don't remember who. I was really disappointed to have him because he was a nobody at the time. And now he's very much loved at Boyce. But he had an art project. And I remember thinking, I believe we were married. So we're getting a little bit fast yes, forward. I do recall this because, like I said, I didn't know you were skilled in visual art until we were married. And I remember this very vividly. Like, you drew that? What? <laughs> yeah. And, and I didn't he, know you could draw. Right. And so I think I forgot about it too. Yeah. <laughs> and so he had this project and he said, you can get out of writing a paper. And for me, oh my goodness, if I could not write, <laughs> yes, 100%, let's go. He said, you can get out of writing a paper if you uh, create some form of artwork that has a deep uh, political, it was, I think it was religion in the public square. Okay. So a political um, stance, but also is saturating biblical truth. Mm-hmm. And I did a charcoal piece. And which was my favorite. And it was meant to be like an ultrasound of a baby. And it was before you were even in the the womb, I knew you uh, in that verse of scripture. And, and, uh, and, and Brian, he kept, he kept that picture. No clue. It could be in the trash now. I was going to say, I wish we could find that because I vividly remember, oh my goodness, I did not know you could draw. Like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah, so we definitely we'll have to call him up. I yeah, guess. we definitely skipped. <laughs> yeah, we definitely skipped uh, our, our story a little bit into when we were married. So spoilers, we get married. <laughs> uh, but that was a big moment too because I thought that that was so cool on a collegiate level and on a higher academic level using my arts, and it was uh, and it mattered. It wasn't like I was just doing this for the youth group or I was doing this for my theater class. Um, this was something in uh, a class and and the teacher found value in it. I got a, I got an A on the assignment. So that that was great. Got out of writing. But it was uh, it definitely left an impact. It, it impacted me. So now back to our story. So now. So you started Boyce a year before me. So you were there and you got to meet some of our friends before I ever got to meet them. Good old Adam Rogers, who <laughs> I'm sure is grinning right now as he's listening. Uh, Adam and Jordan and uh, and Brian. And so what's going on with you at this time? So let's get a little bit more personal. Where are you at before a young Aaron Davis walks into your life? Yeah, so I'll go ahead and burst this bubble um, for those who may not know, but um, contrary to popular belief, I am not a true native Southern Belle. Um, I come from Michigan, and so um, I lived in Michigan um, pretty much from fourth grade all the way up until I graduated high school, so I really embraced This is our cat, Petey, and I guess he wants to be in our podcast. So here we are. So I really embraced um, the Southern culture when I came here. So, um, yeah, I am from Michigan, and um, I actually heard about Boyce through someone that went to my church, and he had shared it with me. Um, I will say 
although I think the Lord was working on my heart and in my life during that time, um, I do think that there may have been a slight pull because I was dating a boy from here um, who is not Aaron, unfortunately. Um, but I barely left Kentucky at this point in life, (laughs) never been on a plane up until you come into the picture. So no, definitely not. But sidebar, we don't got to go deep into it. Crazy because a local church in the area teamed up with your church and that's kind of how it got connected. Right. Yeah. So we knew similar people. We knew the same people. Yeah. It's crazy. We were probably in the same room at some point and didn't even realize it. So it's pretty cool how the Lord works like that. But um, I was in a relationship, um, a high school relationship. And as soon as I moved to Boyce, I quickly realized that that relationship wasn't something um, that I needed to continue to pursue. And so things ended there. Um, It was kind of a messy breakup. And so honestly, that's when I really feel like I started growing in my faith. I feel like I was a Christian. Um, I was just a very baby Christian. And Christianity was fairly nominal until then, I think. But when I got to Boyce and was surrounded by a community of believers that had such a strong desire to grow in their relationship with the Lord and really pursue him in a way that I hadn't really seen a lot before. Uh, It really helped me grow in my relationship with God. And one of the big things that really helped me in that moment um, and through that breakup was music. And I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but there was this old little piano in the dorm dorm rooms downstairs that you could go and practice and just play on. And I love to go down there and just like fiddle. I'm not a great piano player. I just know basic chords, but I used that and I started venturing into songwriting a little bit and starting to um, put my emotions through songs and I really wasn't great at writing lyrics either, so I just kind of turned to the Psalms and started singing through scripture. And just during that moment, I had a great season of prayer with the Lord, wrestling with the Lord, and a lot of those emotions that I had were kind of filtered through songwriting. So that was just a big moment of growth in my relationship with God. Um, and it continues. Right. So, so as I come in, I was also in a dating relationship at that time, which is funny because my mom told me the day before, I remember sitting at Clover in Cloverleaf's gym and uh, reflecting on these words. Cause my mom told me that uh, you may want to be, you know, flying solo going into to Bible college because you're going to run into a girl who's going to be like-minded as you, have the same mission and goals as you. And I remember thinking, I don't even know if there's going to be women over there. I think there's going to be a bunch of dudes who wanting to be pastors. And I go day one. And girls with like headdresses and long skirts. And, <laughs> yeah, I think you know. that I was thinking that. <laughs> And so I go day one, I reconnect with uh, my boy David, but I'm sitting there and at this time I'm by myself and you go out there with Alethea and you begin singing for the very first time. I am in a dating relationship at this point in time and you walk up on stage and you begin singing and I remember thinking, oh my goodness, my mom was right. I'm in so much trouble. I kid you not. I'm thinking that I, I am thinking this is not going to be good. And the reason I said it's not going to be good is because um, I clearly found you attractive at the time, but also your singing was remarkable. And, and also I think it was just a statement in general of that. What am I going to get myself into here? <laughs> um, whether it was you, whether it was somebody else, cause I didn't see you for a while. And quite frankly, I had a baby face back then, didn't had no beard, and you just looked grown. Um, you looked, I thought you were quite a bit older than me. I figured you were a senior, and I thought, you know, I'm just coming in as a sophomore, so you're probably taken, which is funny because I remember you sitting down with people and you sat next to Adam Rogers and um uh, thinking, Oh, that's probably her boyfriend. And so I just I just moved on with my life, which is hilarious because Adam, <laughs> you wished back then 
Just letting you know. Uh, which is funny because Adam's girlfriend, Kara, was in my O team. Yes. And I'm just, you know, I start talking to Kara. I'm like, hey, Kara, what's going on? You know? And she's like, I'm here. I have a boyfriend. And she's, she's probably <laughs> rolling her eyes right now. Story. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was just thinking, hey, I just know we're all going to be great friends one day. Let's go ahead and speed up the process. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, eventually we get into our friend group. Uh, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phenomenal friends. We we loved our friend so group at, um, at Boyce. And Shelby was a big part of that. We had a friend. His name was yeah. Shelby Smith. I would crash his dorm with Ethan. And uh, they roomed together. And these were my blood brothers. And I, I would say for the first time ever in my life, I experienced real friendship. I don't think I had true, genuine friends. I mean, I had friends as kids when I was a kid, mm. but dudes who didn't need to be my friend and there wasn't a convenient, it wasn't just a convenience purpose, but yet they wanted to be with me and I wanted to be with them. And uh, it, it was huge in my life. And it was through them that and their friendship that eventually uh, I eventually meet you at uh, what? What is it? It's it's not fall party. It was the um, fall festival. Fall festival, yeah, the fall yeah. festival, and that's where we meet at the very first time. And out of all things, the theme was uh, Narnia, uh, which is really cool, especially with our line of work. So yeah, we met at the Narnia Fall Festival. I worked a lot in college. Um, I worked at David's Bridal as a as a bridal consultant. So, um, I worked quite a bit and because yeah, I never, I didn't see you at all. Yeah. Yeah. So I would come in and out a lot to the events or show up late. I would always make sure I'm there, but I would usually, uh, arrive late and leave early because I worked a lot. So, um, fall festival, I was probably what an hour late, two hours late. You should have known then. I think it was wrapped the schedule up. that I run on. Well, I definitely remember <laughs> when you arrived because, up until this point, I mean, this is what the second month of school or something. And I saw you on day one, didn't yeah. see you again. And I'm, you know, I'm looking, I'm keeping an eye out <laughs> for, for this girl. And then I see you and I'm thinking jackpot. She's in the friend group that I decided to be friends with. So yeah. this is going to be awesome. Yeah. That was pretty crazy. Um, somehow we were friends with the same friends, but didn't run into each other. Um, so that was pretty awesome. But, um, Fall festival. Yeah. So I showed up, what, probably two hours really late. Till the end. You showed yeah, up right at the, the very end. end. Um, and I, w- I was ready to hang out because I had had a long day of work. I had to miss the party. So I'm ready to hang out. So I'm not sure whose idea it was, but we all decided to go get Froyo because, you know, in our college days, that was. I miss Froyo. Froyo was it. Why? I can't find any Froyo place now. All the orange leaves are gone. Yeah. Cece's, Lulu's, they're all gone. I know. Where do we go to get Froyo anymore? I think people don't like making their own stuff. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I mean, I enjoy ice cream, (laughs) but Froyo, that was just something special. I know. So, yeah, um, so we go get Froyo. Well, yes. no, we're in the car before then. And I'm hearing you sing some Carrie Underwood. Remind me. And I'm thinking, man, oh, my <laughs> goodness. Remind me. Yes, I remember how great this girl's voice is. Aww. And we go to, to Lulu's. And we interact for the very first time. And we're talking. And clearly, we're both. It's safe to say we were feeling each other. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is love at first sight. I mean, you had your moment already, but this was the first time I really interacted with you. So I'm starting to see your charisma come alive. What did you say? Go ahead and tell the people. What what, what, did, what did you say? So I found out there was this wedding and I was um, trying to figure out what was going on with your dating status. See if there's so, a plus one. Yeah. See if there is a plus one for sure. So our friend Shelby had invited me to be his date for the wedding. Um, and I joked with him because we were great friends. And, and so I told him to get a real date. And if he really couldn't find one that I would be happy to go with him. And in the meantime, I turned to you and asked you if you had a date for this wedding. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but unfortunately, I sat there awkwardly. Although you were feeling me, I did have a girlfriend, and I respond back uh, very quiet, um, but mumbling. Uh, I, uh, I, I have a girlfriend. 
And you, it was not a bad taste in my mouth at all. Just disappointment. That's all. Yeah. And, you know, we talked uh, we talked earlier about just our maturities and just how much we grew. And yeah. that's why I love reflecting on this is because the I regret nothing with a lot of these events that happen because yeah. the Lord was moving. Absolutely. And we can see his hand in that because in that moment, I actually went later that night and I was ready to break up with my girlfriend because I was head over heels for you. And I got confronted in our one conversation in our one conversation. (laughs) I knew we were going to have babies one day. Oh my gosh! (laughs) And so let's go ahead and fast forward. And I got lovingly called out by, by my brother and he, he addressed me in the middle of the dorm rooms and he said, are you breaking up with your girlfriend just because you're chasing after another girl? And he said, remember that if you're going to do this now, you'll always be doing this. And I remember thinking like, dang, I can't do this. And so it was really in that moment where I think I was like the best boyfriend at the time. Not to me. Not to but. you. Not to you. <laughs> but because uh, before then, I think that I was. I, I had a lot of growing up in maturity. And I think when I was addressed by another brother, um, it really grew me up quickly. And uh, eventually we did break up because the thought of what's going to happen next and should we pursue, you know, marriage and all that. And um, eventually that it is, it wasn't going to go that route. And mm-hmm. so, and during that time, I don't see you anymore because, yeah. because you were always at work. And so you just were not a factor. The Lord's providence. Yeah. You, the Lord kept you away from me and I had some growing up to do. And we're talking about like, like six months. Yeah. And I did too. Um, I think, you know, if we had broken up, you know, your relationship that you had going on then um, and pursued a relationship together, maybe you would have never known what would have happened with your existing relationship and maybe had thoughts or doubts or insecurities on what could have happened um, if you made the right decision. Um, And likewise with myself, previously in my relationships, I was more in relationships from a worldly status and I was more of the spiritual leader in that relationship. And then I pivoted and um, really was trying to find a godly man to have a relationship with. Um, But there may have not been as much romance there and I was just settling. And so I think by the time we actually did start a relationship, um, it was like the perfect combination of all of those things together. And I was able to see all of that. Yeah, I was devoted on growing myself. Um, and I remember thinking, uh, Shelby called me an idiot whenever I decided to go single. And, uh, he said, you're not gonna find anyone here. Any, any good girl is going to go up pretty quickly. And he told me that. And then I remember saying, I'm just, I'm not interested. Um, I'm, I'm going to focus on myself and I just want to continue to get closer with the Lord during the season and not have to have another person. Um, um, influence my faith, I think, how it was at mm-hmm. the time, which is funny because when I made that decision, I think you made a similar decision. Yeah. And it was like a week later, you're there. And I remember telling uh, my uh, uh, my mentor at the time, I said, hey, what happens if I maybe meet the love of my life, uh, you know, this week? And he laughed and he's like, I don't think it's going to happen, but if you did, just be very careful. Yeah. So when the timing is right, we run into each other. It's March Madness season, and we we go out to B-dubs with a group of friends. You and I begin to talk, and you know, kind of skipping over some of the small details, I think we started picking up that same kind of, that fire again. Instant. Yeah. Instant fire. Yeah, but we did not see each other. We did no. not... In in my world, the you left. The Lord's timing, I'm telling you. Apparently, you were in some of my classes too, and I swear I did. We didn't even know it. Um. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was crazy. It's like the Lord put blinders on us in that moment to continue to grow um, in our relationship with Him. Yeah, so, I it's pretty cool. I live my life. I feel always having doubts and second guessing. A number of things, but I remember I've never been so confident that I was going to marry you. I knew that I was going to be with you. Uh, I told my mom before we were ever dating, I said, I'm going to marry a Michigan girl. 
And so uh, I said, I think I got one. And my mom, I remember her doing her makeup, Michigan. Why are we going to Michigan? <laughs> <laughs> and so we we end up dating, and there's there's fun stories there, but no no need to to bore everyone with the with the small details there. But eventually, my my our friend Shelby that we um that I would always crash in his room when we first started going to Shively, he got in a car crash and passed away. And I knew that I was going to marry you in that point in time. I showed him the ring. And I think that that was another moment that although it was horrific and um, it still saddens me to this day, um, you know, uh, at the time he was, he was my best friend and, Mm -hmm. and, and he's gone now. And I was devastated, but what it did to our friendships that we did have, and they weren't just, they don't go down in history as just college friends. They go down as lifelong, uh, as as stated earlier, blood brothers. That's uh, still to this day, any one of us who needs each other, you know, we, we hit each other up and call each other if we have a question. And sometimes just because we're bored and, you know, we move on, we all go on with our life, but it was in that moment that we realized how precious life was. And, you know, uh, Shelby saying, and everyone quoted it back then, was quoting, you know, John Piper's, you know, don't waste your life. And that's another example of a moment to where the Lord used, I think, to to grow us, to teach us, and to realize just how precious this this life is. And so, and so from there, you know, you see moments such as our um, our college years, our friend passing. Um, Picking a church that just seems like it's not ideal uh, to where then we go to Shively and then that's when um, I get the opportunity to, to I'm, I'm teaching youth group um, every week and loved that. That was great. That was just a, an amazing time period in my life and the relationships that we had. But it was also when I got presented my next job, which is going to leave a huge impact in my life, and that is going to be a teacher. And I specifically wanted to be a teacher in Bible, and I couldn't get the position early enough. And lo and behold, guy that we had on for our very first episode, Josh Weber, got that position uh, right before me. So I didn't get to become the Bible teacher. And I had to start from the bottom and basically take whatever was left. And that's when the arts position opened up, and they didn't know what to do with the, with the arts program. And I didn't really have a uh, a stable position because because uh, Josh was teaching Bible. Tag on Josh. I know. <laughs> Hate that guy. No, we love that guy. Yes. Uh, we love him and Krista and they're awesome people. But I remember they threw it out to me. They're just like, hey, um, we don't know what to do with the arts. Are you interested in possibly doing that? And I was in, in the Shively hallways at the church that you thought it was crazy that we even went there. <laughs> and I said, um, so yeah, actually, I have a whole background in in the arts, and it's a it's a it's a it's a passion of mine. And they're like, really, I just wouldn't have pinned you as as that guy. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'm I'm interested. And from there, that was when we f- really revived this whole thought of you being like a music teacher and like teaching this stuff in a school system. And we teach theater, we teach visual art, we coach in music, and. I had no clue what I was doing whenever I started. Most of these things I never did. I never, I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing when I was talking to you. I didn't know what I was doing when I was in college. I didn't know what I was doing when I got into youth ministry. And I definitely didn't know what I was doing when I was teaching theater. You know, fun fact, if there's any theater lovers here. So I could tell you anything there is to know about Hamilton right now. Okay. So like Hamilton's the big theater show, Broadway show right now and if you're a theater nerd you must know even if you don't love theater you 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 can easily love hamilton mm-hmm. and the first year i taught theater i taught on hamilton i knew nothing about it i knew like the 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 wikipedia first paragraph this guy named lynn made this production and i, I just knew nothing and then we did Wizard of Oz, uh, uh, and it was a it was a fun play. And then eventually we built this whole program, not knowing what we were doing whatsoever. And I think looking back now, because we're about to hit the ten year mark, baby, it's coming up. We're about to hit the ten year mark. And in the last ten years, the thing I would say I've learned the most through all of this, and there's a lot of inspiration in our story, I think, about the arts, but. It's it's totally okay that you're not ready. Yeah. It's totally okay that you have no clue what you're doing. And 
I think that that's what makes it the adventure so much more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost have anxiety when I'm fully ready. And I think for us, if we knew what was going to happen, we knew that you would continue to teach young girls music, but it was going to be through my art classes uh, yeah. and my program. We'd have been baffled by that. Right. Well, not only baffled, but I think if we knew some of the things that would happen in our lives, we would have left other responsibilities to heavily pursue that in the moment. Very similar to, I think, like our dating story, you know? Yeah, we were ready. If I, if I knew that you were the one, I would leave everything and marry you immediately. But we needed that year. We needed that time. And I think um, in a lot of the workings that I've seen the Lord do um, through our story and through our giftings and what he's taken us through, um, in our jobs and in church ministry, um, and in our giftings, um, he really has us, it's a journey. Um, and, and we've never arrived. Um, and there's, there's a lot of hard parts about doing that. You know, like you said, just kind of living on a prayer and trusting in the Lord to get us through the details that we're so naive about. But I think, um, it is a journey and, um, you can definitely see the Lord's um, divine timing in in a lot of this and the way that he's working through it. I will say, um, you know, full transparency, I think one of the things that for me personally has been a struggle through this process, you know, we talk about trusting God and just going through the process and not getting able, not being able to land the plane and like that might sound super easy to do, but it is really hard in the process. And I think, um, you know, specifically over the last year, uh, year and a half, as we've been prayerfully considering this next step with you pursuing your business full time, um, stepping out of pastoral ministry, like that has been a very difficult transition. Um, we've been married for almost 10 years and, um, before we were even married, we were doing ministry together. So the idea of being a pastor's wife and a pastor and what that looks like. And, you know, we went to Boyce together and this was always kind of the dream. And then kind of taking a step back from that to see what is the Lord really doing. And when you have it, I mean, it's right there in front yeah, of us. Yeah, it's right there. And, um, you know, that that has been difficult. Um trying to figure out what is my identity? Am I a boss, a mom, um, a pastor's wife? Um, you know, where, where do I find my identity in all of this? And, um, really kind of just letting go of the reins on all of that has been, um, has been really good and in a, in a season of growth, I think, but it's also a big challenge. And I think, um, could be a struggle for other creatives um, who are looking to pursue this um, and maybe worried about the backlash that they might get or, you know, they're not in this field um, or, you know, there may be um, judgments or challenges that come with that or just even self-identity. Maybe um, where do they find themselves? I think we learn a lot from like even like a film set. And when, when you go on a film set, you're going to find a bunch of people in different roles and that's the yeah. role that they're given. So sometimes you'll see like actors like Brad Pitt, who's known, you know, as being an iconic A-list uh, movie star, but he's directed and produced product, you know, movies, full features. Yeah. And depending on the project depends on the role. So Brad Pitt may be the actor for this certain role. Or the next project, he may be the director or the producer. And we can go mm-hmm. on and on about all the different types. But each project, you're supposed to be your role. And you're supposed to give the, your role the best of its ability. But your role doesn't mean it has this existential identity on who you are. Now, sure, maybe you're really good at it. So maybe you're Martin Scorsese and you're always going to be the director. You're Leonardo DiCaprio and you're always going to be the actor. But for most of us who make movies, you're seeing a lot of switching of the hats and changing of the caps and becoming different role players and who, who we are. And I think of life like that. I think I've grown in, in our, I, under my understanding of identity is that, um, there's a, there's a season and a project to be that pastor. There's a season and a project to be the director. 
there's a, a season to um, do a number of different things. Maybe it's go work at the local Home Depot or whatever you might have to do. And that is okay because there are certain things that we always have to be. So on set, you always have to be diligent and you have to stick with your role. Well, in life, I think that we always have to, you know, for me and for you, we must be uh, people of faith first and we must be a follower of Christ. That is going to be essential in what we're doing. Um, also, we know that we're called to be husbands and wives and to, to submit to one another, to serve each other. And then we're supposed to lead our families and our children. And then everything else, I do think that we have different roles in different seasons, and that doesn't define who we are. And I think that we've both struggled with that yeah. over the years, is that we felt we needed to be the pastor or right. that we needed to be the teacher or the director. And uh, really, no, I'm called to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm supposed to make disciples. I'm supposed to lead my family. And I may do that as a director, as a teacher. Yeah. Um, I may do that selling chicken, <laughs> whatever yeah. that might be. Um, but I'm always called to be faithful and no matter what I'm doing. So no matter what the role is, though, I'm in it with you for the long haul. And so it has been a fantastic 10 years. And I'm really excited to be able to do more of this. Uh, you've been my partner. I remember when I first decided to do a musical, uh, musical theater and teach it. And I'm not musically gifted whatsoever. And I knew I had to bring you on. And you've always been such the biggest asset to me. And so I want to say thank you for being my partner in crime and uh, just for allowing us to do all this. I mean, you are the, I mean, you are equally, people don't know this, my face is usually out there, but you are just as invested into everything that's going on with Alethea. And uh, I think it can be successful because you back it up. Thanks, babe. So we hope that through listening to our um, couch talk over here and- Hello, um, <laughs> No. <laughs> um, we hope to be an encouragement to anyone who may be struggling with um, their identity or maybe you're a creative and you're not sure how to utilize your giftings for the Lord, or maybe you're just going through a season of feeling like you don't know where the Lord is taking you on your next journey. We hope that this is an encouragement to just continue to be faithful where you're at and um, trust in the Lord's timing um, because he is the orchestrator and works all things for his good. Yeah. And your story might not be done. Uh, we thought your music was done. We thought that me and film was done and here we are revisiting it. We had other things that we wanted to take care of. We wanted to take care of having a family yeah. and being faithful to each other. And, uh, and here we come right around the corner and we're both pursuing our passions and our loves. And I don't think that they seem like such childish dreams anymore. Thank you for watching this week's episode of Cultivating Truth. We will be back next Thursday. Be on the lookout for the second part of Cultivating the Family, and it's going to be called Create Over Consume. And as we're closing out the episode this week, we're going to sign off in a new way. And I want to encourage each and every one of you listening with the Aletheia Legacy vision, and that is to create, engage, and inspire. Create, go out there, create good work, create opportunities, be innovative in your workspace, uh, but be sure to be engaging with the entire world, not just other believers, but everyone, non-believers, people of different backgrounds, whoever. And ultimately, our goal in engaging people is to inspire them. And so all that you do, be sure to continue to create, engage, and inspire. Blessings.